This is a semi-weekly podcast to update you on the volcanic activity of the weeks. I'm one of your hosts, Alessandro Muzu. And I'm your other host, Craig Jorgensen. We're PhD students at the University of Geneva. We study volcanoes and are here to give you all the hot volcano news. First the focus of the week, and then the volcano news from the last few weeks. Let's go to it! Okay, hi guys, it's been a hot minute since we last chatted. Sorry for the delay, but we were at a conference last week, it's been a really crazy time. However, we recorded some really cool interviews, which we'll release probably in January or February, so listen up for that in the new year. So, for this week, we have a focus on the woman of the hours, Mauna Loa. Okay, yeah, so probably most of you already know a bit about Mauna Loa, it's a pretty famous volcano, but we'll give you a little bit of background anyways. So Mauna Loa is a volcano in Hawaii. It's a basaltic shield volcano and is massive. It's the world's largest Holocene volcano. From the base to the summit, it's 17 kilometers tall and four kilometers above the sea level. Mauna Loa is the Hawaiian name uh, and it's loosely translated into English means long mountain, which is actually quite true because the subaerial extent uh, is in some cases over 120 kilometers long. That's pretty long. Yeah, it's actually longer than Geneva. <laughs> so, Mauna Loa is an active volcano and has erupted several times in recorded history. The lava flows are usually high rate of magma input resulting in fast and far-reaching flows, going as far as 28.2 kilometers. That is quite a lot for a lava flow. Mauna Loa erupts on average every five years since 1843. Okay, so Mauna Loa last erupted in 1984 for around a month. It started with a seismic swarm, then some incandescence with fire fountaining. The eruption started in the southwest of the caldera, which is called the Mokuawaweo caldera, and then migrated to the southwestern rift zone, and then migrated again to the upper northeastern rift zone. Eventually, some fissures formed, and from that, several vents and several lava flows progressed. The total erupted volume is quite a bit. It's 180 to 250 million cubic meters of material. Actually, the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Program has a great detailed day-by-day report on their website if that's something you're interested in. Okay, so let's take a look at what happens this year. The unrest actually started in September, as noted by an increase in earthquakes, increased flight of inflation, as recorded by GPS stations and the tilt meter. And this unrest was thought to be caused by a new input of magma into the summit reservoir system. The eruption started at 11.30 p.m. on Sunday, November 27, 2022, and this started with a short-lived fissures on the floor of the Mukawaweweo caldera and some curtains of fire. The alert lever was raised to rel, and the local population was warned. A lava lake began to form at the summit caldera and no lava flows, but this changed pretty rapidly, with active lava flows reported from a fissure at the northeast rift zone. The lava flows generated were northeast or parallel to the rift zone, heading northeast toward the main access road called Saddle Rose, but thankfully did not reach the road at all. Two or three fissures stopped and only one called Fissure Tree remained active. This fissure also produced some lava fountains. On November 30th, there were two fissures active, which were called Fissure 3 and Fissure 4. And these are both in the northeast rift zone and both feeding lava flows, which were moving generally north-northeast. The Hawaiian Volcano Observatory, also called HVO, reported that there was no active lava at the caldera anymore. And they did not expect any activity anywhere but in the northeast rift zone. At both fissures, there was a continued fire fountaining. 
The activity from these two fissures, called Fissure 3 and Fissure 4, continues for the next few days with speeds around 24 meters per hour, but proceeded to slow down when reaching a flat spot. On December 3rd, the activity from Fissure 4 is reported to have slowed down significantly. But Fissure 3 remains strong and is still flowing towards the saddle road, and at this point is only 4.3 kilometers away. The eruption continues without much change for the next days, with fissure tree being the fissure to watch for. As it got flatter land, it slowed down to 6 meters per hour, though this fluctuates as the source fluctuates and has lava accumulated in lobes. Okay, so on December 7th, the flow sped up quite a bit to around 21 meters per hour on average, but with speeds also going up to 28 meters per hour, which is pretty quick. On December 9th, the flow was only 2.8 kilometers from the road, but there was a significant decrease in the advance of the slow, of the flow. Meanwhile, at the vent, instead of feeding the main lava flow, instead the lava went to these overflow channels were formed and when they started making a small lava field. On December 10th, the fissure tree uh, flow remains stalled uh, 2.8 kilometers from the road and the lava fontaining at Fisher Tree decreased significantly. On December 14th, the HBO reported that the eruption ceased. However, incandescence near the vent and the lava movement from the flow may continue for a few days, just as things kind of cool. Additionally, inflation at the summit and the northeastern rift zone continues. So while this is the end for now for Mauna Loa, it definitely won't be for forever. This is just a taste of the Manoa history. It's a well-studied and well-documented volcano with lots and lots of information on the USGS website, which we suggest you to check out. So that's it for the focus. Thanks to our sources, VolcanoDiscovery.com, the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Program, the USGS, and specifically the Hawaiian Volcano Observatory. And this is the time for the news. It's December 22nd at the time of recording, and this is your quick update. Okay, so since we were just talking about Mauna Loa, we'll start off in North America. Kilauea has still been spewing lava as usual, but on December 16th, she seemed to have slowed down quite a bit, and the lava lake started solidifying. For the rest of the USA, the eruption at Pablo seems to be continuing at uh, weak levels, and the eruption at Semispachnoi has paused. In Haji, which is an underwater volcano in the Mariana Highlands, there were more reports of seismic arrest indicating the gassing or an eruption taking place, actually. Okay, so in South and Central America, we get to go to the tallest plume competition. And I will say it was quite a fight these past few weeks. Okay, so the end of November, Seven Kaya and our new Ecuadorian competitor, Cotopaxi, who just kind of like, obviously has been around for a while, but we like just started doing stuff more and more recently. Anyways, those two were neck and neck with a 7.9 kilometer plume. Seven Kaya pulled ahead on December 4th with an 8.2 kilometer plume. But then, December 11th, Cotopaxi pulled off a 9.1 kilometer plume in addition to strong and near constant degas. Wow. Seven Kaya tried several times to push for something higher, but never pulled off an eruption that was higher than 8.2 kilometers. So, Cotopaxi reigns supreme. I don't know if we have to call Cotopaxi new. He's quite old. But yeah, he's new in this game. Okay, honorable 
mention goes to Santa Guido and Fuego in Guatemala, Popocatepetl in Mexico, San Miguel in El Salvador, Nevado del Ruiz in Colombia, Sengue in Ecuador, and also Reventador in Ecuador. Fuego enters in a new eruptive phase on December 11th uh, with a new lava flow and intense explosion. Eruption from the summit vent triggered a lava overflow from the crater terrace and emerge onto the outer slopes. Lava flow ran down for 800 meters from the vent onto the Sensia Valley. Near constant weak to moderate explosion or so has been produced by the volcano, and this has continued for the rest of the month with as many as 5 7 explosions per hour. That is quite a good rate. Yeah, she was busy. Okay, notably at Popocatepetl, there have been many volcanic eruptions. Um, and on December 20th, there was a larger than usual eruption at 6.39 local time, with the summit cone showered in incandescent lava bombs being thrown from the crater. Some of the bombs were part of the glowing lava dome that got ripped apart during the explosion. Additionally, ash columns and fine pyroclastic material went as high as 6.5 kilometers. So, there was also a lot of activity in Chile these past few weeks, with the Rica Blue Steam Rings on November 25th, just a quite cool phenomenon, but it did a lot more than that. On December 1st, the activity started to intensify uh, with the gassing and incandescence at the plume. On December 6th, uh, it also produced some strombolian activity to the summit craters. This strombolian activity has continued throughout the rest of the month, with pyroclasts being thrown hundreds of meters into the air. At Lascar, also in Chile, there was an eruption on December 10th, which was larger than usual, resulting in a volcanic eruption and small pyroclastic flows. The alert level was raised to 2, with the thought that more eruptions could come. Lascar's last eruption was actually in 2017. Okay, let's fly to Europe so I can talk about the best and most beautiful volcano that I'm totally not obsessed with, but you all are apparently. So is Mamhenna, that on November 28, uh, a new eruptive fissure opened on the northeast flank of the southeast crater. This caused a lava flow down the Valle de Leone, and Etna is a winter wonderland, and the lava flow might cause phreatic eruption, water interact uh, with snow, for example. And this eruption is also coupled with a rising tremor. It seems that the flow only advanced a few hundred meters for the moment. Okay, so Stromboli decided to give us a little bit of a show this month too. There was a big lava flow on December 4th and actually two pyroclastic density currents. This lava flow continued for several days and created a new delta on the coastline. There's also reports of a new eruptive fissure on the north crater area. In the nearby town of Genostra, there were many lapillis, uh, which fell and covered the houses of, of the residents there. Notably, this material is a brown to reddish kind of color, which some people think might mean that it's oxidized crater material. The lava flow got progressively cooler over the next few days. However, ENGV has reported another new lava flow on the north of the crater on December 16th. Okay, it's time for us to move to Asia. Um... In Japan, uh, Sakurajima, on December 4th, Volcano Discovery reported moderate-sized volcanic time explosion at irregular intervals, few per day. They also note that there have been incandescent bombs falling to the outer slope of the crater and volcanic lightning. Okay, in Kamchatka, we saw continued activity from Klyuchevskoy and Shivaluch. Actually, at Shivaluch, there was a big 
eruption on November 29th with a massive block and ash flow on the active lava tome. There was also a pyroclastic density current and phoenix clouds from this area, as reported by Kvert. We also saw continued eruptive behavior from Halite in North Kuralis, Ebeko in Paramushir Highland, Kadovar in New Guinea, uh, Merapi in Indonesia, Kerinci in Sumatra, Dukono and Ibu in Almahera. Okay, notably, Samira in Indonesia had a big change in the eruptive activity on December 4th. There was a large, hot pyroclastic flow which reached a really far distance from the summit and ash plumes which rose up to six kilometers in height. The origin of the flow was probably accumulated lava material from the front of the lava flow. So this series started the evening of December 4th, or December 3rd at midnight, kind of going into the morning of December 4th um, until about 6 a.m. local time, as indicated by seismic activity. And these pyroclastic flows went up to 11 kilometers in length. This is really quite far. And some flows even reached up to 19 kilometers um, from the crater and crossed the Gladak Perak Bridge. But also some people speculate that these might have just been mud flows that were generated from a pyroclastic flow. And this is all reported by the BNPB. Um, and this is actually one of the largest and most dangerous pyroclastic density currents from Sabiro in years. Also in Indonesia, Krokatao started erupting again after a pause of almost one month. Um, so one month of no activity and it restarted with two explosions in the morning of December 15, with small ash plumes going to 100 and 800 meters in the sky, and also with an increase in seismic activity. The eruption has continued up to now, with a new cone growing from Strombolian activity. Okay, at Adoba in Vanuatu, there has been reports of unrest in degassing. Gas and steam emissions from the lake um, since November have been increasing quite a bit. And now it's at a level two, uh, which is like indicated as major unrest. And there's currently a two kilometer exclusion zone around the lake. So this is definitely one to watch in the next few weeks to months. Yeah, definitely. So uh, last but not the least, at Tapo, New Zealand, there were a 5.6 magnitude earthquake recorded on November 30 under the lake. The earthquake was recorded by GNSS instrument around the lake. Also, aftershock has been recorded too. And so we have an ongoing seismic unrest since May 2022. So there were minor damage from the earthquake that occurred, but there were also a small lake tsunami that actually occurred. Okay, so that's it for the quick update. I don't think it was that quick, but uh, either way, thanks to our sources, VolcanoDiscovery.com and the Smithsonian Global Volcanism Program, and of course the references therein. Um, that's it for 2022 Volcano Watch. Uh, we'll be back in 2023 at some point. No promises as to when, uh, but we'll be back at some point. Uh, we hope you guys all have a lovely holiday season with your families, and you stay safe. Yeah, thank you for spending your time with us. So see you after Christmas holidays. <laughs>